This is literally a matter of life and death. Growing threat from the coronavirus. Social distancing. Suspended masses. 80 million Americans were still not vaccinated. On March 12, 2020, the first COVID-19 restrictions were issued. What happened next marked one of the greatest intrusions on civil liberties ever seen in American peacetime. What lessons should the whole church take from the COVID pandemic? From Catholic Vote, this is COVID and the Catholic Church. Welcome back to The Receipts, COVID and the Catholic Church. This podcast is brought to you by the Catholic Accountability Project from Catholic Vote. All footnotes, sources, and graphics cited for this installment can be found at www.catholicvote.org forward slash CAP. Today's episode takes us inside the COVID wards of 2020 and the personal stories of patients denied end-of-life sacraments and the priests who put their lives on the line to bring absolution to the dying. Their testimony is part of a much bigger story of how hospitals and nursing homes withheld the sacraments from COVID's most vulnerable victims. But first, if you're enjoying COVID and the Catholic Church, you'll love Catholic Votes The Loop. It's your free daily news feed and Catholic media source, all in one email every morning. Go to gettheloop.com to get the most important headlines from trusted sources, the best of blogs, your saint of the day, the daily scripture readings. What are you waiting for? Sign up for The Loop today at gettheloop.com. And now back to COVID and the Catholic Church. The sacraments of the Church are most desperately needed in dangerous and deadly circumstances. In 2020 to 2023, many priests rose heroically to the challenge of the COVID pandemic, embracing their calling as physicians of souls and offering the sacraments in these critical circumstances. Unfortunately, sacramental access was sometimes blocked by the actions of both government officials and hospital administrators. As we would hope, the nation's Catholic hospitals generally did a much better job than their secular counterparts in providing access to clergy and the sacraments, but lapses in that access show an urgent need to solidify their religious identity and ensure that non-Catholic employees understand their mission. In the early days of the lockdowns, one Catholic had a hospital experience that summed up both of these common tendencies. First, the Church's general eagerness to provide sacramental care, and second, the non-Catholic world's inability or unwillingness to take the spiritual need seriously. In May 2020, the president of the National Catholic Bioethics Center was hospitalized after unexpectedly losing consciousness and going into cardiac arrest from an undiscovered genetic condition. It was a grim surprise for Dr. Joseph Meany to discover he had Brugada syndrome, which affects the electrical activity of the heart. He was also disturbed to find that he could not receive the last rites of the church while hospitalized for a life-threatening condition. I was not able to see a priest during my four-day stay at the hospital, even though I tested negative for COVID-19, and my wife and I asked repeatedly for the sacrament of anointing of the sick, Meany wrote later. He had been taken by ambulance to the hospital nearest to his house, which was not a Catholic facility. When my wife heard I was in critical condition and already in the emergency room, she asked for a priest. They did call a Catholic chaplain who came quickly, but she was a layperson. Obviously, this chaplain could not administer the last rites to me. The following day, Meany showed improvement and was removed from a ventilator. He was visited by another Catholic chaplain, also a layman, 
who could not confess or anoint me, of course, and he did not have holy communion with him. Meany later received a phone call, but not a physical visit from a priest associated with the hospital, as well as a final visit from the female chaplain before his discharge. Clearly, significant pastoral efforts were made for me, Meany said, but hospital pandemic precaution policies made it impossible for me to receive what I needed most, the sacraments. Our parish priest was willing to go to the hospital, but he told my wife that he had been refused admittance under their current highly restrictive policy on access to the hospital. My wife was not allowed visiting privileges either, although she was told that if I took a turn for the worse and was dying, she would be allowed in to see me. I emailed Philadelphia's Archbishop Emeritus Charles Chapu, and he responded in minutes. He would have come personally if allowed, but he was also blocked from the hospital. Chapu delegated a priest to look into the matter further, but I was discharged from the hospital before a priest's visit could be arranged for me. In Meany's case, the lack of sacramental access apparently had nothing to do with the policies of his archdiocese. It was quick and simple for me to get the sacraments of reconciliation and anointing of the sick once I was discharged and out of the hospital, he said. Meany's experience was widespread. Dr. Meany noted that the terribly restrictive visitation and denial of sacramental access policies of many hospitals and other institutions, for example, nursing homes, during this pandemic have led to tragedies and violations of human rights, both in regard to religious freedom as well as simply the right not to be forced to die alone. Nevertheless, our research has shown that it is difficult to generalize about who was responsible for such restrictive policies. Federal, state, and local officials, as well as hospital administrators, all had a role in creating the policies that ultimately affected individual patients like Meany. But a few key conclusions are clear. Generally speaking, hospitals can and do set their own visitation policies, though their choices may be influenced by guidance from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, as well as state health departments. In some states, however, governors or government agencies also issued pandemic orders restricting visitation at hospitals and other care facilities. For instance, Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer, used executive orders to bar most visitors from the hospitals, and Chicago's commissioner of health issued similar rules. With these multiple levels of influence and control, it is impossible to make broad statements about exactly who was responsible for Catholic clergy being barred from hospitals and residential care settings. The precise responsibility for such decisions could vary by jurisdiction and change over time. For instance, in Pennsylvania, where Joseph Meany's experience took place, hospitals seem to have set their own visitor policies during the period in question. During 2020, according to an analysis by Stat News, the vast majority of hospitals, 93%, had implemented COVID-related visitor policies. Many prohibited all visitors except those coming to see children, patients with disabilities, or patients at the end of life. Along with broad restrictions on visitors, the physical nature of the sacraments also caused problems in making them accessible to Catholic patients, despite the Church's commitment to doing this safely. Professor John F. Morris, Director of Catholic Healthcare for the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, examined the unique problem of sacramental access in hospitals, especially for patients facing imminent death, in an extensive March 2022 report. 
Morris's report illuminates the conflict between the church's desire to provide sacraments in critical settings and non-Catholic institutions' difficulty in understanding or respecting this desire. In general, Professor Morris found that Catholic medical facilities adapted quickly to COVID-19, following previously established protocols for the provision of -of end-of-life sacraments under emergency circumstances as during a pandemic. For example, prior to COVID, guidelines already existed for priests to safely offer the anointing of the sick under such conditions. An unsurprising fact, given the Church's centuries of experience offering the sacraments in sometimes dangerous settings. But while Catholic hospitals and dioceses quickly implemented such protocols or formed specially trained teams of priest chaplains to meet the needs of patients requesting these sacraments, most non-Catholic hospitals did not, Morris stated. Instead, stories began to emerge that clergy were being denied admittance to COVID-positive patients, and in some cases even denied access to non-positive patients because they were roomed on floors deemed as COVID units during the worst of the outbreak. As noted by Morris, some of these cases were later resolved as instances of religious discrimination by the Health and Human Services Department's Office for Civil Rights. During the Trump administration, that office was led by a committed Catholic and religious freedom advocate, Roger Severino. In contrast, the Biden administration seemed to drop the issue and has taken no public action on these abuses. Legal violations aside, Morris reflected the more important issue was that many members of the faithful were not able to receive end-of-life sacraments at the time of their death. In his own work as a diocesan director of health care during COVID, Professor Morris found that most non-Catholic chaplains and medical professionals did not fully understand the Catholic view of sacraments, nor appreciate the specifics of how these rites must be conducted for them to be considered valid. For example, he said, people I spoke with did not understand that the end-of-life sacraments can only be performed by a priest who must be physically present with the patient. Likewise, the concrete, visible signs of the sacrament were not understood, such as the oil that is used for the anointing. Instead, he recounted, non-Catholics often saw the sacraments as no different from the prayers offered in many other religions, which require no physical proximity or material elements. This was a major problem of understanding and communication between the Church and non-Catholics as the pandemic took hold. More disturbingly, similar misunderstandings led to a lack of sacramental access even in some Catholic hospitals, which often employ non-Catholic staff without ensuring they adequately understand church teachings that pertain to a medical setting. Morris and his colleagues discovered, much to their surprise, that some patients in Catholic hospitals were not allowed to receive these sacraments when the priest chaplains were unavailable, and parish priests were being denied pastoral visits because many of our non-Catholic staff had an inadequate understanding of the Catholic sacraments, and concluded that these sacraments simply could not be provided by outside clergy due to the risks posed by COVID-19. In response, Morris worked to clarify the importance of these sacraments, and the need to make every accommodation possible for their provision when requested. It is understandable, if not ideal, for the Church to employ non-members within Catholic hospitals in major decision-making capacities. But it is disturbing to find these staff ignorant of Catholic beliefs that directly relate to the medical field. 
It is also troubling that Professor Morris was, by his own admission, surprised to discover this ignorance of relevant church teaching among the non-Catholic employees at Catholic hospitals. If even a diocesan director of Catholic health care is caught off guard by this discovery, it is reasonable to wonder whether anyone was previously aware of or attending to the problem. All of this may be no one's deliberate fault. Even so, it indicates a lack of reliable Catholic identity within church hospitals, or proactive oversight towards them, even in a diocese that seems to have good leadership. That state of affairs, in turn, raises broader and more unsettling questions about the fidelity of America's Catholic hospitals in this regard. Quite apart from COVID-19, there is a long-standing and ongoing problem with the fidelity of some healthcare institutions that profess to be Catholic. This much is clear. Anyone working at a Catholic hospital should be required to understand and apply the Church's teaching on the sacraments and their importance. This should be considered a bare minimum standard if hospitals are to be authentically Catholic. It should not have taken a deadly pandemic to reveal hospital employees' ignorance of church teaching on the sacraments, but in hindsight, the COVID crisis should serve as a wake-up call to all Catholic medical institutions that employ non-Catholic staff, as well as what may be many poorly catechized Catholic staff who may have a similar ignorance of church teaching. Ongoing education must become a priority in these circumstances. But we must never forget, while there are discouraging stories of Catholics unable to access the sacraments in critical situations during the pandemic, there are also many inspiring accounts of priests who stepped up to provide the Eucharist and absolution when they were most needed. As it became clear that COVID-19 posed different risks for individuals based on their age and underlying health conditions, Many Catholic dioceses formed teams of younger and less vulnerable priests who could more safely offer the sacraments in potentially infectious environments. This practice began quickly after COVID-19 was first declared to be a global pandemic on March 11, 2020. And by April, the priest team's approach was widely reported in places like Chicago, Worcester, Minneapolis-St. Paul, Boston, and Kansas City. In May 2020, an anonymous priest of the Green Bay, Wisconsin Diocese published a remarkable account of offering the last rites early in the pandemic. It's worth listening to his words in full. The first call came early on in the crisis, when even less was known about this mysterious virus. This virus is known to be a killer. Questions flooded my mind. I could hear the voices of well-meaning cradle Catholics asking, Do you really believe that God would let someone go to hell for dying without the sacrament? A series of lies were presented to my mind at that moment. Everyone would understand if you just stayed home. It's not worth the risk. You can just say a prayer for the person right here. Shaking off the barrage of confusing thoughts, I prayed the rosary on the way to the hospital and uttered some sort of, Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. I had to admit, as I was driving to the hospital, that this sacrament is either about Jesus saving someone from sin, death, and the devil, or I might as well just stay home. I arrived at the hospital. A doctor met me at the door. He snuck me an N95 mask and told me not to say a word about it. They took my temperature and questioned me. I was told, no one is allowed to go to that floor. The doctor cleared matters up and started walking me to the wing. I was called in because the patient checked the Catholic box on the intake form and because the doctor felt passionate about the sacrament. The doctor said aloud a few times, I think you will be safe. Keep it to 30 seconds in the room. I entered the room. The patient was writhing in pain. There were two tubes going down the patient's throat. 
The patient seemed in a state of delirium. The patient was on heavy oxygen because the lungs stopped absorbing it due to the virus. I said to myself, this is not the flu. This is really messed up. I began the rite, and there was nothing romantic about saying these prayers in such a hurry. As a priest, you feel nothing other than compassion. There is no pulse of energy running through your body, and there are no choirs of angels singing over your head. I pray that there will be a priest, any priest, available when I am dying. I lose more sleep at night over that prayer request, that the last rites will find their way to me in my final hour, than worrying about getting a virus that can kill the body, but not kill the soul. None of this, of course, should promote an irrational fear or despair over anyone who dies without access to the sacraments. The Church understands that God is free to convey His grace in other ways, especially if someone desires to receive the sacraments but is unable. The point, rather, is that those in positions of authority have a duty to make the sacraments as accessible as the moral demands of a given crisis will allow. Sadly, in 2020 through 2022, there was a subset of facilities that locked down even harder than hospitals, making it even more difficult for residents to receive in-person pastoral care and the sacraments. Assisted living facilities for the elderly and disabled imposed even more restrictive and isolating policies than hospitals. This grave problem was carefully documented in a report by Catholic University of America professor Lucia A. Seleccia. Seleccia recounted in detail how those living in nursing homes, assisted living communities, and other congregate settings were deprived of visitation, companionship, and spiritual support for months, sometimes even to the point of being sequestered in their own rooms in a kind of solitary confinement for long periods. The effects were devastating on the spiritual life and religious practice of vulnerable and suffering people. As with some hospital lockdowns, this happened largely because the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Centers for Disease Control, State and Local Governments, and individual institutions determined that an efficient, effective way to reduce COVID-19 transmission was, essentially, to lock down and allow visitors only in strictly limited situations. Those limited situations did not take into consideration the Catholic faith. Professor Seleccia pointed out that the deprivation of pastoral and sacramental care to Catholics in nursing homes and other assisted living facilities was particularly ironic since many congregate residential settings were founded by religious communities who understood the importance of spiritual care for those most vulnerable. In a further irony, restrictions on religious practice in these facilities received relatively little attention, even while similar rules in other settings gave rise to high-profile legal disputes. Restrictions limited residents' access to clergy, sacraments, worship services, and other spiritual care during the COVID-19 era. This has not received much attention, although, paradoxically, in the litigation over COVID-19 restrictions in the outside world, the impact of such restrictions in the context of religious free exercise was the subject of significant attention and litigation. At a minimum, such treatment of the elderly and disabled should never be repeated. But perhaps it is also not too late to hold these facilities specifically accountable for their recent actions. Although the issue of long-term care lockdowns never achieved prominence, the Trump administration was reportedly responsive to disability groups' concerns. A future administration might be open to revisiting the issue and ensuring residents' rights. Likewise, religious freedom advocates may want to focus more attention in the future on these long-term care settings, 
whose residence can indeed fall between the cracks of a throwaway culture, even to the point of being denied pastoral care. In the next episode of COVID and the Catholic Church, we learn how Catholic schools came out on top during the pandemic, yielding notably positive academic performance, as well as major enrollment boosts. Catholic school children, however, were not untouched by the pandemic, as we'll see in the conflict between parents and administrators who battled it out over mask mandates and their effect on small students. Join us next time on COVID and the Catholic Church. Want to support future episodes and reports from the Catholic Accountability Project? Visit www.catholicvote.org to find out how you can help.